name's Rob, and I'm the host of Real Friends, a podcast dedicated to sharing the real stories of real friends with the belief that each one of us wants to be fully known and fully loved. This month, we continue chatting with friends of mine from our local running community. This month's guest is Mike Flynn. Many people know Mike as a program director at Big River Running Company, or you may have potentially bought a pair of shoes from Mike at his store in University City. Like many runners, Mike started his running career in high school, but due to setbacks and surgeries during those years, Mike literally knelt down and kissed his high school track goodbye at his final practice as a senior. So what inspired Mike to get back into running and eventually join a running company like Big River Running Company? Listen to this month's episode and discover for yourself. Thank you for listening. This is Real Friends. All right, so we're here in beautiful Shaw Park, Georgia Shaw Park, on a beautiful afternoon, sunshiny. We're overlooking the sand volleyball court. We got the fenced-in kids playground in the background. I'm here with Mike Flynn. Mike, thanks for meeting me and joining me today to do this episode of Real Friends. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, so the way I thought we could get started is you go ahead and do a little introduction, introduce yourself, name, age, what you do for a living and then some sort of fun fact or something that you're passionate about other than running because the majority of what we'll focus on is going to be running. Sure. Uh, so my name is Michael Flynn. I'm 39 years old. I was born in St. Louis. Um, I've worked on the East Coast in Washington, D.C. for a while. Um, but for the past little over five years now, I've worked at Big River Running Company. Uh, I managed the University City Store, and then for about a year and a half now, I've also been in charge of all of Big River's community training programs. Interests outside of running, uh, outdoor recreation. So I grew up in the Boy Scout program, which is now co-ed, and um, did a lot of hiking, backpacking, um, wilderness trips as a youth growing up, and that remained a passion into adulthood. I actually spent a couple summers 15 years ago now, which is hard to believe, but I guided a wilderness trip in the Alps one summer, which was incredible, and then another one out in the Pacific Northwest in Washington, Oregon. So I really like getting outside and reconnecting. So how long have you worked or served with uh, the Boy Scouts? So I joined uh, in elementary school in 1991, and then at the age of 18, transitioned to being over to an adult leader so that would have been 2001. So I guess we're going on 22 years wow. of adult volunteer service to the wow. BSA. Yeah. And how long have you actually lived in St. Louis? Uh, pretty much my entire life. So yeah. I was here through high school. Then I went to Notre Dame from uh, for four years for college. And then I worked in D.C. for about three years. Um, there were a lot of summers that I was out of town yeah. doing things. But yeah, yeah. for you know, 34 of the almost 40 years I've been alive, I've yeah. lived in St. Louis. So if you're born and raised in St. Louis, you know, I've got to ask you, like, what high school did you I went you to, to St. Louis Priory <laughs> out in West County. Yep. Okay, good. Um, awesome. So one of the other things I like to do on my one-on-one interviews with people is I kind of like to do an icebreaker. And what I typically use for my icebreaker is a book written by uh, Gary Chapman called The Five Love Languages. I don't know if you're familiar with <laughs> it. Okay. Um, so Gary's theory is that there are five um, familiar 
Uh, he calls them love languages. It can be ways that people express their appreciation or gratitude towards people and also receive love or appreciation or gratitude. Um, that is physical affection, words of encouragement, quality service or um, quality time, acts of service, and then gifts. And so what I like to do is go through each one of these love languages, find out which ones resonate with you and which ones don't. Because Gary's theory is that there's typically one primary and like one secondary one. And if you're in a friendship, a family ship, a relationship with a significant other, and you're talking one language and they're receiving on that language, great. But if you're talking one language and they're receiving on another, then there can be misunderstanding. So, so let's, if you're ready, let's just sure. go ahead and step through these. So sure. the first love language is um, physical affection. So how important is physical affection to you? And what does healthy physical affection look like these days? Because we're past COVID now. So things should be quote unquote back to normal. Sure. And this one kind of working in the retail space with the public, this has been sort of interesting to me post COVID because um, some customers want us to shake their hands and some prefer still to, to do the fist bump. Yeah. Um, uh, or even like some of my friends or family members I'll come across as like, are, are we back on hugging terms or <laughs> what, what's going on right now? So there's a little bit of figuring that out still for me. Um, Growing up, uh, I was privileged to grow up in, in a, a very loving, supportive household. Um, and I would guess that probably my mom, physical affection is one of her love languages. There was always a hug before we left, a hug when we got home, whether that was going to school for the day or going off to college for a semester and coming back. Um, so do you think mom was the most affectionate person? Like if you were given out awards or a most affectionate person of the year award, would it go to mom? She'd be on the list. Okay. Uh, my youngest sister, Melissa, also definitely has that. Um, there'd be the I need a hug moments. And and then I have a, a really good friend named Lisa who I've known for over a decade. And uh, this, this is definitely one of her yeah. love languages as well. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Um, so the second love language is words of encouragement or affirmation. Um, how important is it to be encouraged or affirmed? or to have people say a simple statement, I love you. Sure. Um, again, I don't know that this is one of my primary ones. This is actually something that as a manager and a leader of people that I'm trying to make sure that I'm doing a better job at doing this for others is to making sure that they understand that they feel valued um, and appreciated. Um, that used to be a little trickier for me because these weren't things that I felt that I needed to be hearing, yeah. but then realizing that giving out that vocalizing the affirmation as opposed to maybe showing it through acts of service, um, which we'll get to in a bit. Um, so that's been a little trickier for me. Um, again, I grew up in a household where the words I love you were common. I heard those a lot. Um, I'm sure maybe that is a factor for why I don't feel a need to hear that as much because I had that validation growing up. But with things like successes, I've tended to be more of a in a lot of ways, an intrinsically motivated individual. So I kind of know, am I doing a good job? Am I accomplishing my goals? It's always great to receive that praise from others, but it's not necessarily something that I've felt that I've been like actively seeking out or, or needed 
and there have been times where I've been presented with awards or things that's like, okay, can we just get this over with? I'm tired of standing <laughs> up here on the stage awkwardly being being bragged on. Like, You're like this spotlight. Yeah. Show, don't you? yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so who do you think is the most encouraging person you know? And then within the running community, um, what person or organization do you think does a really good job of encouraging others? Yeah. So... Um, the name that immediately comes to mind in the running community, Cassie Zahenny, she's the, the women's racing team captain for the Big River Racing Team. She is just a beacon of positivity and encouragement and support. There's a whole list of other names I could yeah. throw out there too, but she's the one that first comes to mind. Um, if you had asked me this question two years ago with my experience with Big River, I would have answered it and talked about how supportive and encouraging our training team community is. But over the past year and a half, as I've gotten to know all of our different programs, our Start 5K program has just continued to impress me. This is basically a beginner couch to 5K program. It's a lot of newer and novice runners, and these coaches are amazing. Um, that they're just they're so validating for our participants you can see the love that the participants um, feel and how much they get out of the program it's something that blew my mind a couple weeks ago is I was and I don't actively monitor all of Big Rivers program Facebook groups but I keep an eye on them from time to time and a participant had put a comment in our start 5k group on how she needed support from the group to encourage her to continue training because she was getting really frustrated she had some injuries and things that were going on and if you look in the comments thread the vast majority of the comments weren't from our coaches there were plenty of those yeah. but there were a ton from other participants in the yeah. program and i'm like oh how awesome is this that we've put this community out there and just it sort of speaks for itself and everyone feels like oh part of being a member of this community is i'm going to encourage and support everyone yeah. else so yeah. that's yeah, really I can, special I can to see, see that i guess with the uh People who are new to running, I can see where that support and encouragement would be very, very important for them just to go ahead and stick with it. Um, so the fourth love language then, or the third love language is quality time. How important is quality time? What, what does that look like to you? Does that actively involve doing something, like being out with your running group, or do you prefer something that's more kickback, laid back, like having dinner and conversation with somebody? Yeah, so I think this is probably my primary one. Um, and what it looks like depends a little bit, I think, on who the other person is and what our relationship is or just what's possible. Um, I'm an active person. I'm an outdoorsy person. All other things being equal, yeah, I'd rather go on a hike with friends than sit in a restaurant and talk. But... I have two really good friends that I went to Priory with for high school. We roomed together at Notre Dame for college. Uh, one is local, the other lives out of town. And when he comes back in town, our kind of unofficial thing is we will go to the Emos um, out in, uh, I guess it's probably in like De Pere. It's on Olive Road. And we will have dinner for three or four hours. And we go to that Emos because we know they're open till midnight and they won't kick us out. And Bob likes Emos because he doesn't get it in Salt Lake City. And we just hang out and we chat and it's great and it's fantastic um other friends yeah i'd much rather be outside doing something active um going for a run going for a bike ride um catching up those sorts of things yeah um so the fourth love language is acts of service how important of acts of service and what would 
an act of service look like to you as a person and then also from the business side how does service play into your role sure so and again i think this is my secondary one these last two are the the ones that speak to me the most and that i think i'm i speak the most naturally towards other people um that acts of service kind of again i mentioned i heard all the words growing up and that was validating important and i know that my parents meant them um there's no doubt at all there but they also showed me that they loved me um and i'm very much uh you know i would rather see somebody prove it and demonstrate it um actions speak louder than words type of person so when whether i'm showing someone through my actions that i genuinely care about them as opposed to just saying the words or someone's doing that for me that just to me seems more genuine and authentic um, and that can be as simple as like doing the dishes cleaning up taking care of a chore or responsibility that typically belongs to somebody else but you know that they're busy and you're trying to to make their life a little easier um you know running an errand for them doing a favor for them or it can be the bigger larger gestures um as far as how that applies kind of in my work role so one this is something that we try to ingrain in our staff is that we're team selling we're engaged together we're helping each other out and like really supporting each other so if i'm on the sales floor working with a customer we go up to the counter to ring them out for their purchase there's all these other shoes and products that they've chosen not to buy someone else on my staff's going to come by they're going to clean those up they're going to put them away it's not a that's mike flynn's mess it's a this is us as the team's mess and we're going to help each other out um and, and that's that's kind of a the type of community i like to be in but then of course my job being in charge of community programming that has been so fulfilling and so amazing getting to serve the community big river puts the vast majority of our programming out there for free we don't charge for it and um and we can see the impact and how meaningful that is um and if we were to put a dollar sign on it we also know from what some other organizations do that we could charge a few hundred dollars for this but it's important for us that we do it for free and we make it uh, accessible to everyone and that we're truly just like a pillar who's more than just a retail store but that we're a part of the community that we serve yeah so just from your perspective is what do you think the impact is so it's confidence building there's a lot of people um, we get a lot of feedback on participant feedback surveys at the end of seasons that say things like when i signed up for this 5k i didn't have i didn't realistically think i'd even make it to the start line uh, and not only did i make it to the start line but i finished the race in a faster time than i could have ever imagined and that's due to the positive support that i got from the community yeah or um one of my favorites was from our half and full marathon program this was i think written last fall someone said something like the support of this group was just um incredible i didn't really know what to expect i signed up for the program i'm was in run of the one of the run walk groups but ever whenever we would pass the faster groups on runs the racing team the sevens the eights the nines those groups would all come by cheering for us giving us positive support um and they're like we used to think of those as more like elitist real fast yeah. runners and we realized that we're part of that club too yeah, yeah. so that is neat yeah. cool. so the final love language is gifts how important are gifts to you are you more of a gift card person do you like to spend a lot of time figuring out what you're going to give somebody 
and what you want to receive. And what's the, do you think it's been the best gift that you've either given or received over say the past five or 10 years? Sure. This is one that uh, I certainly feel like I struggle with. Um, my gift list is normally a, this is what I need. Um, and I'm, I'm not always the most patient person in the world. So often if I want something and I need it and I can afford it, I've already bought it for myself. So creating birthday lists or Christmas wish lists has become really challenging for me the past few years. Um, on the flip side of that, what to give other people, that is hard. And um, there's definitely like a relationship that I've been in previously that was her love language and I did not speak it and that that became a challenge yes. and um, and she spoke it very well and gave me very meaningful special gifts that meant a lot to me and I felt like I was an absolute failure <laughs> in that and you know we're friends yes. uh, but that that's been a, a challenge as far as the best gift that I've received recently so my youngest sister, Melissa, she's a math teacher, but she also does a lot of work in the, her school's theater department. And she knew that I'd been working on running in all 50 states. And so she took a roughly two foot by three foot piece of plywood. She wood burned a map of the United States into it. She put rods at the bottom and then put the state initials next to that and created a nice metal holder for me. Um, and so that was just like very meaningful nice. and yeah. sentimental. Yeah. yeah. Very, very nice. Yeah. Good. Well, that's a great segue, great transition to our next topic, and that is running. So let's start at the very beginning. What's been the genesis behind how you got into running? Have you always been athletic growing up, or did you catch the, the running craze later in life? Sure. Um, so when I went to Priory for high school from seventh grade through senior year, Priory had a mandatory sports requirement. Some of the other smaller private schools in St. Louis have this as well. And uh, so I played football in the fall season. I played basketball in the winter, seventh grade. And then the spring came around. And if I remember correctly, I tried out for baseball and didn't make the team. I might not be remembering that correctly. <laughs> and I might have just, that might not have even been an option. And that could have been freshman year. But I ran track uh, in seventh mm. grade. I ran track all six years at Priory. And I think that was my first real exposure to running. We'd, of course, run the presidential physical fitness test mile in elementary school, things like that. It was just kind of a thing that I did. Um, I played football freshman year or seventh and eighth grade. The options in middle school priory were just football or cross country. I played soccer freshman year and I really enjoyed it. I came from a soccer family. But then for sophomore year, uh, when soccer tryouts were happening, I had a two week backpacking trip with scouting in New Mexico that I that was more important to me. Mm. So I went on that instead, missed soccer tryouts. Um, and just decided, you know what, instead of playing weeknight soccer games, I'd rather run cross country. It's the catch-all sport. Scouting's kind of the big, important extracurricular to me yeah. in my life right now. Uh, and I was not a competitive cross country or track runner. I was a chronically injured track and cross country runner, shin splints, knee pain. Looking back, uh, senior year, I ended up having knee surgery. We think it's a soccer injury from freshman year mm, um, from wow. a game that... I, I got trips, uh, tweaked my knee really weird, came out of the game, and then the guy who went in to replace me got red carded like mm. 10 minutes later. So then yeah. I had to play the rest of the game because uh. we didn't have enough subs. And uh, that's what we think happened. So I had meniscus surgery senior year um, of high school during cross-country season. 
I did run a little bit of track that year. And I remember, and I'm not making this up, the last track practice senior year on my final cool down lap, lap I knelt down and I kissed the track and was like, goodbye, yeah. I hope to never see you again, <laughs> sort of thing. Famous last words. And um, so went off to college and Notre Dame's a beautiful campus. There's these two lakes uh, kind of in the Northwest section of the campus yeah. that are really peaceful, really popular for people to go and run out there. And it became sort of this just thing I did on my own terms, on my own schedule, as fast as I wanted, whenever I wanted. And I actually started to, I think, like and enjoy running at that point. And it wasn't something I did a ton. It was maybe a couple days a week, but I'd go and I'd run the lakes at Notre Dame. And then it got to the point I'd run the campus perimeter, which was longer. I don't remember what those distances equate to these days, but that's when it kind of became a hobby. And I'm talking like I was running maybe somewhere between 10 and 15 miles a week, mm -hmm. most of the weeks. Did you um, run it solo or did you run with any tournaments? Almost always solo. Okay. Once or twice, my roommate Bob, uh, the guy who lives in Salt Lake now that I referenced earlier with Emos, Bob and I lived together one year and we, we went running a couple times. I had a friend Patrick, we entered a 10K together. We went out way too fast. I think we ran like a six minute mile for the first mile of the 10K and then probably averaged something like eight minute per mile pace for the whole 10K. Yeah. Uh, that was, I'd never run a race further than a 5K before. Do you remember what your original running shoes were back in those days? Yeah, so the Asics, Cumulus, or right. Nimbus. I'd okay. alternate back wow. and forth All between right. those two. Yeah. Yeah, I originally ran on the Nike Cortez. Okay, so one of the original, right. original yes. shoes, yeah. So. Um, and so how did that lead up to your involvement with running now? Yeah, so I continued to kind of run for fun every now and then. It was never anything formal. And when I was working in D.C., I was teaching leadership lessons to middle school and high schoolers. And one of the lessons we taught was on goal setting. And we used this example, and one of the kind of textbook examples in the curriculum was setting a goal of running a marathon. And after teaching this week after week after week, somewhere it kind of came like, huh, because we talk about making the goal specific and measurable and all of that. And so the example that I'd use is I'd say, well, okay, I'm from St. Louis. Instead of just saying a marathon, I'd say, well, I need to find a marathon. Oh, there's this thing called Go St. Louis. Oh. And again, I was doing this from D.C., but somehow the Go St. Louis marathon got in the back of my head. It started percolating. Um, and finally in 2016... Uh, I was at a point in my life both where I had free time to train and where Go didn't fall on the same weekend as a scouting event that's mm. in April every year. Yeah. So I had actually thought about doing the marathon for a couple years and then finally signed up for it in 2016. I started training. I didn't sign up until the deadline to get your name on the bib because mm. I was convinced wow. I was going to get hurt. I was convinced that there was no way I could do this without getting injured. But I ran 15 miles one Sunday and I think it was a week later there was the sign-up deadline, but I finished those 15 miles. And I was like, okay, we're good. So I signed up. Uh, I ran it. Didn't really let people know I was doing this because, you know, I think by race day, maybe there were 15 total people. Once word got out, it spread, but I probably only told three or four people outside my immediate family that I was doing it. And they'd ask me in the days leading up to the race, are you ever going to do this again? I was like, no, I hurt. I'm sore, I'm tired, this was a bucket list thing, never again. And what year was it? This was spring of 2016. Okay. And so about three days later, I'm just showering, 
and I'm thinking, well, I do this differently and I do that differently. And that summer, Ghost sends out the email with the early registration price and I signed up. And I ended up running four marathons in 2017, mm-hmm. two in yeah. the spring, two in the fall. Yeah. And then in 2018, I joined the Big River staff. Yeah. Um, that like, I was hired in February. I think my first training day was in early March. And uh, the rest is history. Yeah. So what were you originally hired to do when you hired on Big River? Um, so I originally applied for it actually as a part-time job to supplement an outdoor education job I had at the Wyman Center in Eureka. But it became pretty clear that there was going to be a full-time opportunity to move into like an administrative role, managerial role there. Um, and so I ended up kind of going into the U City store full-time. And then after a little less than a year and a half, the person who was the manager, Scott, when I um, started, Scott was in flight school training to be a pilot. And so he left mm. and I became the manager and um, so kind of knowing that that was sitting there in front of me, um, when I was in high school growing up, I wanted to manage a camping store. That's <laughs> what I told people. I want to manage an outdoor gear camping store. And so then 2016, 17 running becomes this big hobby. And it's like, yeah. oh, okay. Well, this is my new camping store type yeah, of scenario. Right. Yeah, yeah, good. Um, so then based upon that, what is are are some of your favorite races that you've participated in since then how many races like marathons and half are you more of a marathon runner or a half marathon runner do you like doing both uh so i'm a marathon maniac and a half fanatic Ah, those are clubs that if you run Ah, enough races in ah. short enough time periods you can join so i know that so that's news so it's either like two halves in 16 days or three in 90 days Mm. same with the marathon you can join those clubs and then they have levels of insanity so I'm a level seven half fanatic for doing 13 halves in a 79 day window <laughs> wow. and um, marathon maniac. I am a level five, but I forget what the criteria was to get there, but I have run three marathons on three straight days. So oh I'm not competitive. Sometimes I'll win my age group in a smaller race. Sometimes I'll win or, you know, end up with a good result in a trail race. But um, my goals are largely to run for fun yeah. Um, and just to, to do some fun, neat races. So my favorite race I've ever run in terms of a real race is um, Marine Corps Marathon in D.C. Oh, okay. So I'd worked in D.C. for the better part of three years. I knew that the race happened there, and it was just the sightseeing tour of a city that I, I knew and loved, and 26,000 runners and spectators along almost the entire mm. course. So. Wow. At the time that I did it, it was the slowest marathon I'd done, um, but it was still a great experience and a lot of fun. The um, I listened to some of your other episodes, so I, the way you worded this, I think with John a couple weeks ago, made me think about this coming into this session. And what I think is truly the best race I've run was a virtual race. Ah. So I was signed up to do a marathon in Rhode Island in the spring of 2020, which got canceled. But they they shipped me the medal, and I was like, okay, I need to run this virtual marathon. And we'd been shut down for like two, maybe three weeks for COVID. And so somewhere I got this thought in my head of, I'm going to run a route to connect the three Big River stores. Mm. And so we started at West County and then ended at South City. And it it was like 26 and a half miles. But one of my coworkers at the time, Mara, who was a CrossFitter who had never run further than 13 miles before, she was like, well, Mike, I'll run the beginning with you. And then like, 
my husband Josh will just pick me up wherever I'm ready to drop yeah. out. She ran the whole thing with yeah, me. Wow. Neat. And then a couple other friends met us at Forest Park and ran the last seven miles with us. Yeah. And it was just a great experience that was yeah. really sentimental and yeah. a lot of fun. Um, so in terms of striking a balance between running races recreationally versus pushing for your PR, what type of advice would you give people? Yeah. So I think, I think you kind of need to know which one you want to do. And I think there's a place on the schedule for both. I'm a huge advocate of using some races for fun as tune-up races, treating them as a workout. Maybe I'm running a half marathon, but I'm running at a gold marathon pace and treating mm -hmm. as a tempo run for that. Um, and as long as they're playing a role in that structure, they can be really valuable. When you get to the point that everything you're running is running for fun, and then you decide to flip the switch back and say, now I, I care about my time again, I've had trouble flipping that switch because without an important why or a meaningful, like I get partway into the race and I was just like, this goal time that I had doesn't actually mean anything to yeah. me at this point in my life. Yeah. And so I'd rather run it for fun and that's just where I'm at. And there's that's one of the cool things about the running community is there's place for all of these different mindsets and these different goals. Um, but currently, where I'm at is I'm mostly running races for fun or when I do want to set something new, it's more of a distance PR. Like I'm going to run a new longer distance ultra marathon um, or something. My, my half marathon PR is fast enough that I'd have to put in a ton of work for me personally to break it that that's just not where, yeah. where I'm at right now. Yeah. So what's the longest distance that you have? Uh, 62 miles. Wow. So I did okay. a hundred kilometer race in October of 2021. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Um, so conversely then, what's been the most challenging or least favorite race that you've been involved with? Yeah. So again, um, listening to prior episodes, a lot of people have told you the Alton Half Marathon, and I'm going to go on record as that was one of my favorite races. Oh, I ran it three times. Oh, I PR'd there twice. I like cold, wet conditions. And um, yeah. Did you run in the, the yeah. one that most of us were signing uh -huh. where it was... It was like torrential downpour until like five minutes before the race started and then all of a sudden the rain stopped oh yep. my gosh yep yeah. i remember that yes. i remember being there i don't remember if that was one of the years i pr'd or if yeah. that was the year that i ran another race the next day as well and yeah. kind of but um yeah i really liked that race the one that truly is my least favorite was and this is a race that i didn't really have a meaningful reason to sign up for is i was out west a couple summers ago and there was a a 30-hour race called Strawberry Fields Forever in southern Washington State, just outside of Portland, Oregon, that I signed up for. And they had sub-distances. So it was a 30-hour race, but you could say, I'm going to run a 50K. And if you did that, then you'd get a 50K medal or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I signed up saying I was running a 50K. I also had a half marathon in Seattle on the books the next day. Wow. And I started this race, and it was uh, 10K loops. So on the second loop, it's already like a hundred degrees, unseasonably warm that summer. And I'm like, why am I going to do this five times? Yeah. And on the third loop, it just became in my head, I'm running in Seattle tomorrow. I'm nauseous. I'm not having fun. Why am I doing this? And, and then I spent a few miles really struggling because that was my first DNF. Like, and technically I just ran 18 miles in a 30 hour race. Like officially that race isn't a DNF, but, um, 
mentally for me it was and so i really grappled with that for like an hour and a half and then finally i was just like this is dumb and so i dropped out of the race at the end of the third loop my friend and i we drove up to seattle did the half the next day but that it would for a 10k would have been great it would have been a very scenic 10k race but it just wasn't an experience that gelled with me or made sense it is funny when you think of 18 miles is like a dnf or like like you say we're five or 10k you wouldn't even be thinking along those lines. Yeah. But, so you more of a, do you enjoy running in the warmer weather or the cooler Ooh. weather? Yeah, definitely the cooler weather. Uh, heat and humidity are not the friend of a 200 plus pound male who sweats a lot. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, so how about uh, injuries? What type of injuries have you had to deal with in your running career? Sure. So high school, it was shin splints, knee pain, mm-hmm. um, that meniscus tear. As an adult, the things that have bothered me is one of my hamstring tendons gets kind of aggravated from time to time. If I do a ton of cycling and then start running, um, it it tightens up on the bike and I have to be careful with my transition from a lot of the bike um, onto the run. And then if I start doing a lot of high intensity speed work, like 5K pace or faster, I tend to aggravate that hamstring tendon. So I'm pretty selective with those workouts. They also don't matter a ton for what the races I'm doing and what I'm training for. Doing some speed work is important to to maintain a little bit of those top end gears, but uh, I've tended to kind of be like, okay, if I do too much of that, I'm going to end up hurt. So I'm going to strike that balance. My left ankle is also pretty weak. Uh, A lot of ankle sprains. That's something that depending on, uh, how how much free time I have in my life I'm better at or worse at at doing like ankle strengthening exercises and yeah. those sorts of things but that one can um, can flare up from time to time and cause some problems especially on the trails. Um, so I have friends who say in generic terms that it's they, they don't run because it hurts when they run. So what type of advice would you have for people who are starting out running and they're experiencing what consider be like the normal pains that you go through when running yeah so some of those are growing pains um actually this morning we're training a new hire in the store and right before i came here i was talking about shin splints and knee pain and we were talking about sometimes those are things that are alarming and you need to do something about and other times it's just doing too too much a little too fast and then figuring out how to balance your week and back off the mileage but maintain a little bit of running or some walking or do some strengthening exercises is going to get you through it. Um, low level shin splints. And this is where it struggles. Cause like, I don't want to offer advice and have this misheard wrong, <laughs> right. but like low level annoying shin splints that are more of an annoyance, but don't like truly hurt. Sometimes those are a rite of passage that runners just get to move through. Um, but please don't hear that and just run through really painful, really debilitating shin splints like those you need to back off or get some advice. I'll put a caveat yeah. at the uh-huh. end of this podcast that you're not authorized. Yes. Have a medical yes. Advice, yes. Okay? Disclaimers all across the board. Um, same with the knee pain. Sometimes the quads and the muscles just need to strengthen themselves a little bit more holistically to get your, your patella to track a little bit better. And so some of that is being patient with the process figuring out okay this is what i can do in terms of how many days a week or how many miles i can cover what paces i can run at where it doesn't hurt and then just slowly push the envelope a little bit from there okay now it hurts now i need to back off 
okay, now three weeks later, I'm fitter, my body's stronger. Oh, I can go to that next step and keep slowly yeah. progressing. So it's about patience. Um, we see tons and tons and tons of people come through the store who were sidelined from running due to injuries who now through through inserts or certain shoe technologies or um, a couple brands of shoes, just the way they're designed, cater this really well, have enabled people who couldn't run before to return to running. Um, and that, that's really fun to see. But there's also tons of people who maybe like, yeah, their running journey's over and that might suck, but they can find love in walking or hiking or some other outdoor pursuit. Um, and we, we hear a lot of that as people who, for whatever reason, um, they can't run anymore, but they've really found a love for hiking on the trails or getting outside. And um, we enjoy supporting those people as well. And um, personally, I'm even grappling with like, I'm fully capable of running on the trails, but there's many a time I'm out there on a trail run. And I was just like, you know what, like, this is really scenic. Mm-hmm. I'm going to slow down. I'm going to hike. <laughs> like, I don't care what my Garmin says, my pace is at the end of this run. I want to take in this view a little bit longer. And so I'm going to walk this. Yeah. Yeah. Um so I think those are kind of things that I'd say there. Um, What's the longest that you've ever been sidelined where you couldn't run at all because you, you thought you needed to take time off to heal? That, I'm sure that would have been after I had knee surgery. Oh, okay. Because when I had knee surgery, it was November. It was a little bit before Thanksgiving in 2001. And I didn't play a winter sport that year. So I guess it would have been March. I got back into track. And I don't... I remember running track that season. I don't honestly remember if I competed or if I just did some low-level workouts. Recently. Anything in like the, the later stage of your running, like from 2016 forward, have you added? So here, here's the other disclaimer. Um, KT tape is your friend, but listen to the doctors instead. Um, don't do what Mike Flynn's about to say. <laughs> Um, in the spring of 2021, I had three races. I have signed up to do the Bear Lake Marathon trifecta, three marathons, three states, three days, Utah, Idaho, mm-hmm. Wyoming, wow. really scenic courses. And I think it was a week and a half out from that on Wednesday night. Uh, I, I timed for our summer speed work program at Desmet, and then I went home and I did the workout on the roads. And this was stupid. Like the last thing I needed to do was to be running 400s a week and a half before running three marathons. This serves no training purpose, but I wanted to do the workout just to see what it felt like. And I aggravated the hamstring 10. This is the first time I aggravated that hamstring I mentioned earlier. And it, I I called the workout. I forget. It was like the third or fourth rep. I was just like, nope, we're done. That, that made a weird popping thing. That's not good. Um, And so then I spent a couple days. This race is really important to me. What's this going to look like? Uh, use Dr. Google for some help. Um, and then KT tape uh, was a prominent uh, fixture on my body and for uh, at least six, six to nine months after that. And thankfully, it was the type of thing where as long as I was stabilizing that tendon and there was a sack of like fluid that was inflamed, as long as I was taping it a certain way, I could work through that. Um, and I actually was able to run those races pretty close to what the goals I had mm. going in were, and that fall I ran a PR in the 50K, and then actually I PR'd the 50K again in the middle of my 100K and exceeded my stretch goal for that 100-kilometer wow. race. So 
was able to run through that injury because I was managing it appropriately and yeah. kind of doing the workloads that made sense. So with that is kind of get the advice you need, follow the advice that you get, like don't overdo yeah. it. Um, yeah. but a number of orthopedists have, I've heard them say motion is lotion that the body does want to move and getting out there and finding what's that healthy amount of motion that's good for the body. That's not going to make things worse and that's often going to promote healing. That's yeah. important. Good. Um, so in terms of technology, what's your favorite form of technology? What, what form of technology would you not leave home without? So, yeah, I don't know the last time I left home without my garment on my wrist. Um, I almost always have my cell phone with me. I would love, and there have been times, especially when I've run running routes that I'm very familiar with, that uh, I'll leave my phone at home. But I do tend to go on longer runs, and I often do tend to run later at night, so the phone tends to come with me just as a safety thing. Um, or, Or I play music off of my phone instead of, I can load it on my watch, I just tend to stream it off my phone instead but those, those are definitely the two cyborg pieces of my body yeah 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 um so one of my favorite topics when it comes to running is relationships so what are some of your favorite relationships that you developed as a result of the running community yeah so these uh, yes definitely have some strong relationships that have come from here the strongest ones have come with current now they're mostly former co-workers but um during covid so i mentioned that virtual marathon well a week before everything shut down was big river training team's arch run and officially we canceled it um Mm -hmm. however unofficially it happened a lot of people just still showed up at forest park that day and um three of us from my staff uh, mara sarah and i had agreed to go and run together and Sarah ended up sleeping in that morning, but Mara and I did the arch run together and back. And then um, we ended up doing that virtual marathon. And so the first two times I ran with her, we ran 13 miles to the arch and back, and then we ran 26 miles. Like that, that breeds a new type of relationship amongst coworkers. And, uh, and then working through 2020, 2021 with uh, Sarah and Mara in the store, and the three of us would run after work. The day that the store shut down, um, when the stay-at-home order went into effect, after we locked up the doors, we actually ran eight miles to Stacy Park and back. Yeah. And I was like, all right, no idea when or if right. or what's going to happen. And thankfully, it wasn't too, too long until we were back in the store. Yeah. Um, I have a friend, Brendan, who used to work for Big River. He and I, he's why I be, actually, I had run 150K, I think, before Brendan and I got to know each other well. And uh, Brendan wanted to run a 50 miler and he was nervous about doing it, but he was like, so Mike, you need to run this 50 miler with me. So we signed up. Uh, We actually had happened in the fall of 2020 trail races, thankfully happened that year. And um, when you're out there for 50 miles with someone, I can't even imagine. Wow. Yeah. And that was how we approached that race was we're running this together. And um, there was some adversity that day, but we got through it and we finished and we don't run together that much these days. Brendan's definitely gone more the cycling route, but we'll, we'll meet up not as often as either of us would like, but periodically we'll get together and do some multi-hour bike rides and it's just a fun way to catch up. Yeah. So big picture, what do you think has been like the biggest challenge that you've had to face to this point in your life, your career, and how has running helped you to confront or deal with that challenge or has running helped at all? 
Yeah, so I, I, I've been I've been pretty privileged and lucky growing up that there's nothing like truly catastrophic that's happened. The the two things that come to mind as the biggest challenges are negotiating COVID was an adventure, and that's in, like intimately integrated with running. The one prior to that, and I think this is probably the biggest one. Is uh, so when I was in grad school, um, uh, my mom had ovarian cancer, and so I was living at home when I was in school, and we didn't know this was coming. Just like all of a sudden, one day, mom was in the hospital, and we didn't really know what things were going to look like. Um, she's fine now; she's been in remission for over a decade, um, thankfully. But that was very challenging because when I came out of school that spring, it was like where am I needed? What's my role in life? How do I want to, what do I want to do? What does the family need? Those sorts of things. And um, kind of figuring out how to navigate that um, involved some, some choices on like, where are my priorities and what's truly the most important to me. And, um, you know, family has been really important to us the whole time. So um, thankfully that's all we're well past that and everything's good but that was that was that was tough um and uh yeah but the covid stuff like running was just so all what tied was up it that. like from uh being working for a big river where it's the, the big part of um your job is getting all these groups together and then dealing with covid obviously the uncertainty but um what was that like from your perspective in terms of um, looking for little incremental ways to make progress. Yeah, so, and at the time, I guess we had mostly come back, we had mostly brought programming back from COVID before I became in charge of it, but I had been involved with our programs pre-COVID, um, participating, or I paced for a training team, our half and full marathon program for one season. But even, like, at the store level, it was just, it was really interesting to feel out we realized how important we were and the level of service we truly provide to our customers when it became hard for us to do it. The store was closed to the public for eight weeks because of the stay-at-home order, but I probably fit 100 people for shoes out on the sidewalk because we were we were doing phone orders and home delivery. And people would call like, I desperately need to try on shoes. And I'm like, well, I can't let you in the store, but I can bring the Brannock outside and I can watch you walk on the sidewalk and I'll talk to you outside and I can bring shoes outside. And we, we had, we were really successful. Like I'm running, that's not unique here. Running boomed nationwide in 2020. Um, as far as the programming part though, that was hard. Like we were used to having a decent turnout at our Monday night group run. And then like people don't see each other. And even this year, there's some people who were coming to U City Monday Night Group Run pre 2020 who just this year started coming back because um, that's what their comfort level was, and um, we're we're glad to have them back. Um, our programs, like we slowly dribbled things back, we brought them back. I remember talking to Katie Helbig actually. So Katie used to be in charge of programming before me. She's the wife of one of Big River's founders, Matt Helbig. And uh, we were talking after one of our manager meetings in the office, I guess in 2021, about whether or not to do in-person summer speed work. And like, they had decided to do it. And Katie was picking my mind about it, if I remember correctly. And I just remember we were like, if we can get like 30 or 40 people to show up, that's going to be a success. 
And that first week at DeSmet, the track was full. And okay, I was like, there's our answer. <laughs> Everyone's been missing this. Community is important. Yeah, yeah um, absolutely. How do we make this happen? And, uh, you know, we're still, like this season for our Start 5K programs, the first time we brought back, we didn't do in-person Wednesdays last year in 2022. We brought them back this year. They've been a hit and a success. Yeah, and yeah it's definitely meaningful to people. And Yeah, that's yeah. good. Um, so do you have a favorite uh, vendor or company that you work with with Big River or a favorite race event that you work with? Yeah, so um, that would be hard to choose. On the vendor side, it would be hard to choose mm -hmm. just one. Um, Even if there are I mean, a couple of vendors, yeah, I'd like to give a shout out. Yeah, so I mean, Garmin, obviously I love the product. That's fantastic. Um, they're, they're at the forefront of their space. The shoes get a little tricky. Um, because like we have great relationships with some brands, but maybe that brand doesn't fit my foot the best. So it might not be gotcha. my favorite, yeah. but yeah. I personally have a great relationship with the rep and we love having the reps and we love how the reps support our programs yeah. and things like that. So, um, uh, you know, but all of our shoe brands on like, I mean, especially Brooks and Hoka in particular, those two brands, those are amazing with how much support they give to yeah. Big River. Um, and those reps like Alan and Dylan and um, Ross, they're fantastic. And like, Ross from Hoka is based in St. Louis, so we get to see him a lot. Yeah. So he's a favorite when he's in the store. Um, the Squirrel's Nut Butter accessory, like this sounds silly, right? It's an anti-chafe <laughs> product. It looks like a deodorant stick, but that is a lifesaver. That is a game changer. Yes. Yep. Someone who sweats a lot. Like I used to... Body Glide would work for me for an hour, hour and a half, maybe two hours if I was lucky. And for most people, that's plenty. But when I was doing five, six hour, 10 hour races, yeah, good point. like, you know, one application at the beginning of a hundred kilometer race that took a little under 12 hours when it was raining for the first three hours and I came out of that chafe free. Like, yeah. that's a product that. Yeah, that's a good I, testament. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but yeah, it's like it's great to work with the brands. The brands love being engaged. Um, you know, the reps love to come out and be part of the community. Um, Are you involved with any of the, the races at all, like Go St. Louis or anything? Not so. We partner with a lot of those. So Big right. River Race Management is a separate business than Big River Retail. Okay. Um, Matt Helbig uh, was one of the founders of Retail with Ben Rosario. When uh, Tom Eckelman, who co-founded race management with matt when tom approached matt and ben 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 was into coaching ben was into the store ben didn't really want to do the timing thing is my understanding so matt and tom formed another company and they're partners they're strong partners we support each other um you know there's almost like a marriage of sorts there but uh i don't direct we communicate with them on some of those events We'll use them as goal races, um, like Go St. Louis, Mo Cowbell. We'll partner up with them for um, goal races for a number of our training programs. But I'm not personally involved in the planning or execution of any of those. Um, the Big River Racing Team uh, race management co-sponsors mm -hmm. that with the, the store. So that one, there's definitely an overlap there. And if not, Hellbig will come in, sit in on some of the leadership meetings for the team and... Um, so, but yeah, those are more like relationships and partnerships. Gotcha. Okay, so final question. Uh-oh. We begin to wind <laughs> things down. Um, 
what if there's one thing about yourself that you'd like to share that most people, like the average person, may not know about you, what would that be? It could either be a goal, a dream, or a passion of yours. Maybe it's something on your bucket list that you've yet to do. Or it could be a setback or a struggle in life that you had to overcome. Or it could be something foundational like um, what you build or base your life upon, like faith, family, friends, you name it. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think the part that's maybe a lot of people don't know about me is people have been surprised recently uh, to found a lot of people in the running community had no idea I was involved in the scouting community because that yeah, came first. True. And like, um, and I've been like, I'm not a celebrity in the scouting community or anything, but I've had some district and council level positions. I've been a familiar face uh, for many years there. And then, um, you know, the running community taking over Big Rivers program a year and a half ago, I've became a very public face of the company and known to a lot more people that way. And then, um, Recently, the people have learned a little bit more about my involvement in scouting. That's that's been a surprise to a lot of people. Um, that like outdoor recreation is the true underlying passion. Um, uh, running is like the preferred form of exercise, but time outdoors is definitely the passion. Uh, other than that, like there's no deep dark secret uh, that comes to mind, but. Um, so with Boy Scouts, yeah. for example, I'm familiar with Boy Scouts, but what's the overarching credo or philosophy behind Boy Scouts? What is it that they try to do or bring out differently from yeah. other organizations? So the thing I love about the scouting program um, is that it's about youth leadership development. So when we would go on campouts growing up in scouting, um, especially the, the program, it used to be called the Boy Scout program. Now it's called the Scouts BSA program because it's co-ed. Um, but it's for 11 to 18 year olds. When you go on a camp out, the youth are leading that camp out. The adults are there for safety and support and mm. transportation, yeah. but the youth are planning the activities, they're cooking the meals, um, they're getting guidance when necessary. But if the first year camper doesn't know how to fry bacon or whatever, the adults aren't showing them how to do it. The older scout, the older teenager is showing them how to do it. So it is just this fantastic, breeding ground for leadership and character development in an outdoor environment yeah. um, for teamwork. I personally learned so many fantastic skills and got um, introduced to so many hobbies and interests through that program that um, it's been a pleasure to get to get, give back to it. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just so fun to like go and see scouts, teenagers in an outdoor setting, learning how to read a map, learning how to navigate and then frequently in the adult world, it's like, oh, or going through like leadership, reading books on leadership. Our Big River um, is really big on continuous learning and development. So they'll give us um, a manager book to read each year. And I'll read these and be like, I learned this as a teenager. Like, mm, and I'm glad good. it's a great refresher. Yeah. I'm glad to read it again. Yeah. But then you're like reading all this stuff from the business world. It's like, yeah, I, I learned that as a 13-year-old leading other teenagers. Um, and and so that's something that I really love about that program. I think it's unique how scouting does it. I do think it's a shame that so many people are growing up like with so much technology and so much time I indoors know. these days. Right. There's yeah. so much greatness in the outdoors that I really hope people can find a way to, to appreciate that better and parents can find a way to, to, to value that for their children. I know that two of my three siblings have kids 
in, in talking to them, I know that that's very important to them, that they know how much growing up, my sisters were in Girl Scouts, having those outdoor experiences were that that's something they plan to make, um, you know, a priority for their children. And yeah, I, I just, I think that would be really good for, for our country and the world to just make yeah. sure that we're still, you know, social engagement's really important. Yep. Getting outside, face-to-face -face interaction, learning how to have those tough conversations. Amen. Yeah. Well, Mike, I'd like to thank you for taking time to go ahead and sit with me and have this conversation. I think it's been awesome. Um, to all my listeners on Podville, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate each and every one of you. To a special friend of mine, I love you dearly. To all my other listeners, thank you for listening again. This has been another episode of Real Friends. It. that's a wrap yeah thanks that was thank fun thank you that was good yeah yeah oh. very very fluid easy flowing so <laughs> yeah hopefully the trash truck didn't make too too much noise <laughs> well like, there's nothing you um, can do about no. like, nope. the outdoor stuff and really yep. the wind has died down from earlier there were a few gusts that was uh making me think we might have to deal with a little bit of wind noise but i think it's, it's died down everything this turned out to be a gorgeous day after all so yeah yeah, I appreciate cool. you taking time to just yeah. meet with me. I think it would really be a good one. No, that's fun. Um, it's a good listen. Yeah, I've all I've everything you've done with someone from the running community. I've listened to. Good. I haven't listened to the other episodes, no, but no. Um, I was driving actually around Olympic National Park when John's dropped. I was like, oh, I have a two-hour drive <laughs> to get from Tacoma to Olympic. Let's see what John has to say. And 
Yeah. Then a couple of the questions, like that gift question, if I had been on the spot having to think what was the best <laughs> gift, I was like, okay, I'm going to do a little homework before this, think through that. Or... Well, I know for a lot of people, like, it's the, the, the five love languages, they're like, five love, what are you even doing? Ask me about my love language question on, on like a running podcast. Yeah. But it, it really is, um, it has to do with how people express their gratitude and appreciation. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a bigger, more overarching umbrella type thing. Yeah. For people who are familiar with it, I think they're, they, yeah. they understand it. Yeah. Yep. But no, I, I truly learned of it. At one point, I was dating this girl, and she's like, my love languages are physical affection and gifts. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure yours are not. <laughs> I was like, and then we went through, I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure mine are quality of time and acts of service. And yeah. 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 If they'd only known that at the beginning of the yeah. relationship, it may have yeah. steered the yeah. eventual outcome. So we're, we're still good friends, but yeah, uh, yeah. yeah there's... And then my brother, he he works in ministry for a Catholic parish in O'Fallon, Illinois. And ah. So this this is a huge part of what he okay. does. He yeah. does a lot with yeah. that. And, yeah. That's yeah. good. Yeah. All right. Oh. Um, where are you off to now? Back to the store? Back to the store. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Today is a fun day. Between this and then start 5Ks, doing their workout at the store tonight. Ah. And then I'm facilitating a race day prep panel with some of the start yeah. 5K coaches yeah. and our participants. So yeah. cool. that'll be... Yeah, that'll be fine. Well, thanks for taking time out yeah. of your day to meet with me. What are you up to it. these days? Um, so I am doing on the the Sundays now. I like to. So it's during the the formal spring and fall training semesters mm-hmm. is where it's. Uh, I like to get there run early, then get back take pictures, and then during the in between semesters, I like to just be more like a just a runner who blends in with all <laughs> that. And so it's a good mix and a match, right? And so I've enjoyed doing the uh, the unpaved stuff. Um, yep. I know we're taking off for Mother's Day, which would be fine. But yeah, that last week at a um, gasoline station, holy smoly, man, just for seven miles. That was really, I could feel, I got a great leg workout <laughs> running that. So but that was good. And Tom Murkowski kind of yep. took over and paced the group. It was just, uh, it was a good run, but it was, you could really feel the humidity on oh, Sunday. Oh, yes. Wow. Yep. Yeah, that was the first unpaved run I made it to this season. I was yeah. out of town for the first two. I led group three. I had so much fun. They had so much fun. Yeah, that's um, good. We were running down some of the hills. And like the first downhill, people were a little like, but then on the, the northern loop coming down the hills, they're like, that was so much fun. I was yeah. like, yes, once you get comfortable <laughs> with it. Right. Um, yeah. But, I mean, people love I think I sent you some of the comments from the survey this season about pictures, yeah, didn't so I? Yeah, yes. people yeah, very people love it. They really yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. It's, um, I love doing it too. Yeah. So whenever it's like my passion is running photography, when you get to combine those two passions and people are equally as passionate about them, I mean, it's like a win-win. Right? Yeah. It just works out well for everybody. Yep. Yeah. Good. All right. Well, I'll let you get out of here. Yeah. Thanks again. No, thank you. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks. <laughs>